Welcome to Percolating Perspective, the podcast that celebrates, revitalizes, and spit shines American culture and the Western way of life over a steaming hot cup of coffee. Today on Percolating Perspective, we take a quick dive into the Declaration of Independence, specifically the second paragraph where we talk about unalienable rights, where they come from, what do they mean, and how can we build our lives around those rights and protect those rights. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. Please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and consider becoming a paid subscriber at patreon.com forward slash percolating perspective. Also check us out at Facebook and Instagram at percolating perspective. Now to get into the drip of the day, we are going to a a different company. We've been at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters for the past two podcasts. So we're going to go to a different one today called New England Coffee Company. Uh, You can actually get this in Walmart. You can get it at Publix. You can get it, I think, even at Winn-Dixie and several other, um, you know, grocery chains. New England Coffee Company, uh, their slogan is small company, big coffee. Today, we're actually looking at one called Blueberry Cobbler. It's a medium roast, uh, and it's actually really good. It's kind of unassuming. You open the bag, and it's got a good, strong coffee smell, but the blueberry is kind of light. And so you brew it, same sort of thing. Whenever you're brewing the coffee, you're not getting a whole lot of blueberry, but it is there, it's subtle. And then you drink it, and the blueberry hits. It is great. It's a good cup of coffee. I really recommend you try this one out. New England Coffee Company. It is actually out of, let me look at the bag here, Malden, Massachusetts. So definitely check them out. Malden, Massachusetts, New England Coffee. America comes from New England. That is the birthplace. That is our home is New England and we have just spread out from there. So really a cool coffee name, good coffee, really just a just a neat coffee. So check that out. New England coffee, blueberry cobbler, good cup of coffee. All right, let's get started here. This is going to be a meaty podcast. We're going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, We've had a lot of people request longer podcasts, so we are listening to you, and we are going to serve you and give you what you want. So we're going to do a deep dive into the one paragraph of the Declaration of Independence today. Uh, You cannot talk about American culture and the Western uh, Western way of life without talking about America's founding documents and what makes them work and why the founders did what they did, where they got the things that they got, Because if you read the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, there's a lot in there. There's a lot that they talk about, and that didn't just come out from nowhere. They got it from somewhere. The ideas came from somewhere. And we're going to talk about that in depth today. All right. Now, if you read the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, if you skip down to the second paragraph of that, we start here and it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, with a capital C, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. This was a revolutionary concept in and of itself in 1776. Um, I, if you've never read the second chapter of Thomas Paine's Common Sense or haven't read Common Sense at all, I really encourage you to do that. It is a great book. It's, it's actually very short, but at the very least, read the second chapter. Uh, it really talks about in depth what we're going to talk about today. But before you do that, 
Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8 in the Bible. Now, this is, you know, this podcast is not intended to be a preachy podcast, nor is it intended to be a political podcast. This is intended to be an American culture podcast. And you cannot talk about American culture and the Western way of life without talking about the Bible. Those two institutions, the Western, the West of the world, and uh, America as we know it, the United States of America, the bedrock, the, the cornerstone, the foundation is the Bible and Christianity, and Judaism for that matter. Uh, but those two go hand in hand, really. So take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 8 whenever you have time. But if you look at verses 1 through 7, uh, it talks about the people of Israel wanting a king. Up to this point, they have had a Republican form of government, uh, very similar to what we have, where they have a hierarchy of judges. They have judges that deal with people, you know, in tens, which we would consider, you know, a municipality. That is a tough word to say. <laughs> Uh, you have hundreds, you have thousands, you have tens of thousands. So you have essentially what we would refer to as you know municipal, county, state, and federal levels of government within Israel, and you have different people over those different ter- terraces or hierarchies, whatever you want to call them. But the story told here in First Samuel chapters eight and in chapter twelve is the outright condemnation by God of an absolute monarchy as a system of government. Now, if you know any history at all, you know that America, prior to 1776, was subject to absolute monarchy in King George and Great Britain. Uh, and again, these two chapters absolutely declare a an absolute monarchy as we were under the time to be a violation of the Bible. An absolute monarch, to kind of define our terms, means one man makes all the laws and enforces all the laws. He takes all the money uh, and takes what he wants and then gives the rest to the underlings, the, the peons, we'll call them. He was above the law and he is not bound to the law. He was the law. The monarch was the law. This meant that the going theory for thousands of years, really from this particular book uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 8 at this particular time, the going theory from there forward really until, you know, we'll, we'll be general here, but to 1776 in all reality, um, for thousands of years, men were not created equal. That was the idea. That was the theory. This was this whole idea, the Declaration of, Independen- of Independence, was revolutionary on its own merit in 1776. This was a brand new idea as it relates to man's understanding. This was God's plan all along. Now, the founders in their study came to understand that this was wrong, meaning absolute monarchy, and this form of government was not ordained of God. To say that in 1776, as we just said, uh, was a death sentence from the king as it questioned his authority. Now, what did this revolutionary idea mean for the world? It meant that for the first time since, well, Moses, but really in particular from 1 Samuel, people began to recognize that no man, including any king, was the absolute authority in, any, in, in government. And really, if you look at Moses, Moses was subject to the Ten Commandments just like the rest of Israel. So even, you know, this is really about the time of 1 Samuel, this idea first, you know, really starts to take hold. Uh, but really, in 1776, this was the first time we really cracked the idea back open of not having one man be the absolute authority in government and in every person's life. 
But this time, the Holy Bible and God was the absolute authority. And that is still the case in the United States now, although we are straying from that quickly. And again, this is not a political podcast. Uh, however, you have to address certain topics of the day, I think, to remain relevant. Um, we have established that we have rights, and in this country we are very good at talking about that and saying we have rights, but I wonder how many of us, A, know what those rights are, but B, understand why we have them, what they are, and where they come from, and really what they mean for us and what they mean for our government. But those rights were not given to us by government. Merely they were recognized by government. They were given to us by God. And we're going to talk about that and show you exactly where your rights come from in the Bible. So if you ever have a question, you know exactly where your rights come from and where the founders found them to recognize them and to preserve them. Now, the first right that the, the founders recognized and did their best to preserve was the right to life. Now, the right to life has been a hot topic really since Roe versus Wade in 1973 became a thing. And, you know, as this year, 2022, um, that court decision was overturned. Now, that does not make abortion illegal. It simply puts the power to the states uh, to make that decision on their own. But nevertheless, the founders put life as the first right they talked about as the United States of America. If you look at the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, it says, uh, again, we hold these truths to be self-evident, yada, yada, yada. With certain unalienable rights, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The first right they ever mention in any document is life. Why would they do that? Now, the founders were very intentional with every word and even with the punctuation particularly Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Declaration of Independence. He was very intentional and put a lot of effort into what he wrote. So the order here matters. The founders put life first, and Thomas Jefferson put life first for one reason. God did. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, the very first thing that God ever gave man directly from his own hand was Adam's life, was man's life. Is that it? Well, no. Um, if you'll notice, the Ten Commandments were placed on two tablets of stone. We remember that from Sunday school. Uh, if you don't remember that, take a look at Exodus chapter 20, and then also in Deuteronomy it talks about specifically the two tablets of stone, where Exodus chapter 20 does not mention the tablets and, and their uh, characteristics. But Deuteronomy does. Two tablets of stone. There were five laws on one and five on the other. Why would they be split up into two like that? Why would you have five on one side and five on the other? Well, simply put, the laws are governing two different things. If you look at the first five, you'll notice that the first five are all governing man's relationship with God. So, you know, no idolatry, um, you know, taking God's name in vain, all these sort of things are in the first five of the commandments. Um, now, the fifth commandment is to honor thy father and mother. Um, that is the fifth commandment. This would also be considered man's relationship to God as at that stage of life, meaning childhood, that is training a child to obey God and to follow his law themselves. So in that concept or in that um, understanding, the fifth law in the Ten Commandments is also man's relationship to God as it's sort of a training law. Now, if you look at the last five, now things start to get a little interesting. They now govern man's relationship to fellow man. 
This is God saying, here's how you treat others. This is, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, the list goes on. But the first law he gives in those five, and the last five, so the sixth commandment, if you don't remember what that is, is the right to life. Thou shalt not kill. God puts this law in place specifically to protect your right to life with his first commandment. Now, was this his first commandment ever given to man? No, it wasn't. But remember earlier, we mentioned Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Um, now, take a look at this again. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Once the flood is done, Noah's flood, Noah gets off the ark. Now, if you remember, God destroyed the earth because there was violence. People, uh, you know, people were murdering, people were stealing, and so... To really kind of boil it down, people's rights were being violated. People were taking another man's uh, life uh, without consequence. People were stealing with no consequence. They were violating their, na- their neighbor's right, violating their neighbor's rights. Now, as soon as the flood is over, Noah gets off the ark. The first thing God does is give Noah a few laws for man to govern themselves. Before this point, there was no secular law in place that was given by God. God wiped out the entire world because of rampant wickedness. Once the floods recede, the first thing that God tells uh, Noah to do to protect man from his fellow man was this. Uh, Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Okay, the first law ever given by God as a secular means of government was to protect the right to life. It is specifically given to hinder somebody from unduly taking another man's right to life. Uh, Not by God's hand, mind you here. It says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Not by God's hand, by man's hand. This is a civil ordinance we were just given to protect the first thing God ever gave you directly from his own hand, your life. Now, the fact that it is not God taking uh, taking a man's blood it is man taking man's blood. That is God-ordained death penalty there. So, very interesting. Now, what about Christ, right? We're not under the old law anymore, and there, you know, there is some discussion uh, amongst uh, you know, Christians and, and, and specifically amongst Jews as to uh, the relevance of the New Testament versus the Old Testament. Well, let's look at both. We just looked at the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. What did Christ say? Did he feel the same way? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5. You might have heard of the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Matthew chapter 5 is dealing with here. Here Christ goes through several truths and teaching general blessings, but he begins to talk about man's relationship to man again. And wouldn't you know, the first thing he brings up is in verse 21, and it says the exact same order as the, as the last five in the, um, in the Ten Commandments. The first law he brings up is the right to life again. He says, you have heard of old time, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have my Bible open in front of me, but it specifically talks about, you know, you've been told it's wrong to murder, I tell you it's wrong to even hate your brother. And the reason he said that was he knew that hatred was the source or was the root of murder. So again, God putting in place a means to protect your right to life. And, and Christ was actually going to the root of the problem, uh, which is man's heart or his attitude. Jefferson said that every word of the Declaration of Independence was chosen for a reason. 
The order of the words was also chosen for a reason. If you're wondering what the founders would think about abortion, let me just tell you, the founders knew that the first right ever given to man directly from his own heart was life. Uh, if you take it, the very last sentence of the Declaration of Independence, um, which is, at, you know, there's a whole list of things that the king had done wrong, but the very last, uh, last sentence here, the last section, it says this, With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The first thing that they pledge to each other here is what? Their lives. Every time the founders knew that the first thing that God cared about was your life. That was the first thing God gave you, and it is always in the Bible the first thing that God protected. And that is where your right to life comes from. Why did the founders declare to the world that every man has an equally applied, untouchable right to life? Because in order to have all other rights, including the second, which is liberty here, you must respect the right to human life. And I specifically say human there for a reason, human life. I really appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you listening. Please come back next week, Monday morning. This will drop at 6 o'clock. I thank you again for subscribing and for listening so, so uh, diligently and being so loyal to the podcast. We'll see you next week. Again, don't forget New England Coffee Company. Try the Blueberry Cobbler. Next week, we're going to be talking about Hemisphere Coffee Roasters' new fall flavor called Fall Harvest. It's one of the three fall flavors. So tune in next time to hear about that as well. going to be really exciting. I'm very excited about that cup of coffee also. Thank you so much. Have a great week.